Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's hour number two of Oilers now. Uh, back in the saddle for the next month here. And uh, once a week, we're going to do something completely different on the show. We're in the summer. Um, and, you know, I, I grew up listening to a guy like John Short back in the day and Wes Montgomery and Brian Hall and Rod Phillips. I got to do the last couple of years of Rod's NHL career as his uh, color guy. And Brian Hall was in this building. We've had Brian on the show before. He's got to be 87, 88 years of age. And uh, Wes uh, left us uh, far too early but might have been the most brilliant radio man the city ever saw. Certainly one of the best MCs. Uh, John Short uh, is a guy that loved boxing, and he used to talk uh, about our next guest back in the day. And uh, we're going to pay homage like Kenny Lacusta has joined us in studio. We'll tell you the second hour of Oilers Now is brought to you by World of Spas, Edmonton's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer, the ideal place to start your daily vacation. He is our Oilers Now headliner today for Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhock, W-I-L-A. H-A-U-K today. Uh, let's see. Kenny, how you doing? Do we got you there? Oh, yeah. Very, very good. Thanks a lot, Bob. All right. So we got to tell a story. So I go and see uh, Drew Shamelhorn once every two months. And uh, it's something that, uh, you know, for people that have been, and Drew's been on orders now, um, you know, for, well, we're, this upcoming year will be the uh, 13th season that the uh, show will be on. Chad, reminder, we are moving 5 to 7 into afternoon drive in the fall. Uh, and Drew's a sportsman. He loves sports. And he has different guys that sometimes, when, when he knows I'm coming down, like sometimes Greg Pilling will be there, a guy who was a pugnacious player for the Edmonton Oil Kings and, you know, wasn't the biggest fan of Derek Sanderson, as I recall. And, and you know, the other day, you about a couple of weeks ago, you were there. We started talking. I'm like, we kind of got to get you in because you can spin a yarn you can tell first of all how old are you now Ken? i'm uh, 68 bob you look great man like you you do not look like uh i mean there are a lot of former boxers that have had tough times after their their boxing careers are over you look fantastic are you you're gonna be involved what's a, some sort of masters thing coming up or what's yeah, going I'm, go- I'm going to vegas in about three weeks to uh it's a magazine in the u.s called masters of boxing i'm going to be in the front cover Really? At 68 years of age? That's... Yeah, so I, I had to make sure I, I don't look too bad for you, 68. So you got, you, you got back in the gym, eh? Well, don't, yeah. don't embarrass us too badly here. So tell me this. When did you, uh, what, how, when did you start developing this? In, and we'll get to some hockey stuff because there were some players that you worked with back in the day. You fought uh, George Foreman, Tommy Morrison, Razor Ruddock. Whom, uh, you know, I know you sparred with some pretty significant guys as well. When did you start developing the passion for boxing? Well, I, w- I started out kickboxing, 
and I, I used to be a full full contact kickbox, and I went to number one in the world kickbox, and I beat the world cruiserweight champ once, and he beat me once. I beat him on a seven round decision, and he beat me on a seven round. Well, what, what are we talking like? Nineteen seventy nine. Nineteen seventy seventy seven seventy eight seventy nine. Was kickboxing, and then I turned pro in boxing. And you turned pro in boxing. There was a lot more money in bo- there was decent money in, in kickboxing, but it was just kind of starting out full contact. So there was no MMA or anything like no, that. No, there wasn't then. MMA. No, back in those. So days. boxing was a thing. So you moved into boxing, uh, and were you always uh, were you always a heavyweight, or were you a light heavyweight? Well, I, w- I was like uh, two hundred pounds, and then I started. Uh, I was remember I was in Florida, and these guys says, "Oh, geez, Kenny, they come watch me spar at Fifth Street Gym in Miami." And they said, geez, Kenny, you punch so hard. If you take these steroids, man, you'd be killing guys. And I said, so I, I said... You went on the hamburger helper? No, I went on the bananas. I t- ate two bananas a day, and I put on about 15 pounds in about a year and a half. So I went up to... I fought at about 215 after that. But I, I started eating bananas on a regular basis. You uh, spar with anybody that we would know back in the day when you were down in Miami? Oh, yeah. I sparred with uh, all the top guys. There one guy was really a, a big puncher, Jeff Sims. He was the rated about number nine or eight in the world and he uh he, he never would train, but he was just a natural tough guy. He was the champion of all the prisons in the United States. And then he got out of prison. He was in prison for like six or seven years. And he was knocking everybody out. And he's the guy that cut Muhammad Ali for five stitches and sparring down at, at uh, Fifth Street Gym in Miami. Okay. Now, well, there you go. I mean, and, and that, was, that was quite a thing. So they, they had it. So the prison system had a, a, a various different levels uh, champions. That's Yeah, that the prison level in the United States allows one prison to fight against the other one. So he was the Florida State prison champ, and uh, he was beat everybody. He was a real puncher. He, he fought Ernie Shavers, and he never would train hardly a day. And he fought Ernie Shavers. He dropped him for 12 seconds in the first round. And they, Come on. Yeah. And they, down in the card in Nassau, Bahamas, it was uh, uh, Joe Fraser was fighting, I think, Muhammad Ali, and this was the semi windup. Yeah. And he had him down for at least 11 seconds, and then they, they let Ernie survive, and Ernie stopped him in the fifth round because he had no more gas, but he only stopped him because he was dead out of gas. Now, back then, what did you do? Were, were all the fights 15, or were some of them eight? Back, no, back then, the, the title fights were 15, so a Commonwealth fight or a World Championship was 15. Everybody had to go 15 rounds, which a lot of people would get hurt in between the 12th, 13th, 14th, and 15th from rounds. Fatigue. From yeah. fatigue, and they'd be tired or from punches. So the the boxing body of, uh, of, of North America said, hey, no, 12 rounds from now on for safety's sake. So you make this transition from kickboxing to boxing. When and, and when did you start becoming a full-time boxer? Well, we we had a I had a really good uh, manager to start. Uh, Peter Travis used to play for the Edmonton Ask Was great guy. Him and his dad were got behind. Was, was he the guy that went missing for a while? I'm not sure if he went missing or not, but I, he did really well in Florida. Okay. <laughs> he showed up <laughs> again. In Florida. I thought, yeah. Was he at Davids? Yeah, he used to go to Davis lots, but he had a, he had a real nice bar here called the Point After. Uh, all right, yes, and yes. all the Eskimos would go there. Uh, Man- West Montgomery was real good friends with Peter, yeah, yeah. and Peter's dad was a doctor down in Florida, so it was a natural for me to go and train in Florida. So I, I trained there for a couple of years. So he managed you, and you get started. And did you get the pr- proverbial tomato cans to fight? Oh yeah, or, or? yeah. We get the same as everybody else. They started me a little strong. And then they start fighting the guys who couldn't fight. But most of the time, where I the league I was in is I get down to Florida, and they seen that I could fight a little bit. So I was fighting guys who used to be the Florida amateur champions and pretty good guys. And I won all my fights in Florida. As a matter of fact, I won all seven. 
Okay. And then when did you come back to, did you come back to Canada or did you go to other parts of the U.S. after no, Florida? No, I, I, come, I come back to Edmonton, but then I fought in almost every city in the U.S. and Canada, all the major cities. And I've been to, fought in New York uh, three, four times. What was your first big fight, Kenny? My first big fight was Trevor Trevor Burbick, 1983. Okay. I, I fought him at Northlands Coliseum in front of about 7,500 people, and he was number two in the world. He stopped me in the tenth round, but it was a it was a it was a very good fight. He was a very strong guy. He he's the guy that is in his next fight he wins the world title. He beats John Tate, stops John Tate. Big John Tate. Yeah, big John Tate. Was it was was Tate the guy that dropped he dropped Mike Weaver? Or was it Weaver that dropped Tate? I'm trying to... No, right, think, like I, in the 15th, 14th, yeah, or 15th yeah. round. It was Tate that dropped Weaver. Right, because Weaver had yeah, a body we, built like a god, right? Yeah, like he Weaver was just... Weaver was just built like a, unbelievable. Yeah. And when you... You know, it reminded me when I fought once in Jakarta, Indonesia... I fought this guy by the name of Mark Wills. He's the only guy in the planet that ever knocked out Greg Page twice. Greg Page has never been knocked out only twice by Mark Wills. Okay. And I fought Mark Wills in uh, in Jakarta, and we get into introducing it from me from Canada and him from Los Angeles. And he introduces and he takes his robe off, and the whole place goes ooh. He had he's like six foot one and two hundred and forty pounds, solid muscle. Just and then he stopped me in the seventh round, and my eye was swollen. But it was quite a fight for seven rounds. So you're giving away what like. 25 to 30 pounds in that and of fight? Mo- uh, yeah, and of muscle. And these guys, the guys that I fought, I had, I had, uh, I always like to kind of say this, I had brave managers. They put me in with some pretty good guys. So, you know, I mean, but you don't get paid if you fight the guys that can't fight. You get a thousand. A thousand dollars, fifteen hundred bucks, or whatever. But I was getting paid uh, good money, twenty-five thousand, sixty thousand, seventy-five thousand. And I was fight. That was back in the in the early nineties and late eighties. And then I was even moved up there when I fought Foreman. The yeah. the thing about Foreman, I would have got an extra two hundred and fifty thousand U.S. when I fought Foreman. But Seth Abram, the head guy for HBO, just pulled out two days before the fight and decided not to use HBO. If, and he was so upset after. Oh, the pay per view. Yeah, and he was. Really Really upset after the fight happened with me and Foreman. It was kind of an exciting fight, and so was this uh, the, the fight against Foreman. Was this after he dropped more, or bo- no? Uh, just before he just before he dropped more. I was when I was his twenty second comeback fight. So he had fought a lot of comeback fights. Was it a little crazy for you to think that you're fighting George Foreman, a guy who in the early nineteen seventies was the baddest? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It gets to be a, a little bit nerve-wracking when, really? yeah, when you when you fight guys like just, that. Just but, turn it off, Kenny. Don't worry. Yeah, we'll be yeah, in a commercial yeah, here yeah, momentarily. Yeah. No, but so you're fighting like I mean, I don't, most of our listeners would be well aware of the fact that George Foreman uh, was as scary. Of, I mean, he absolutely destroyed Joe Fraser. If you watch the highlights of the fight, you know there, one of the commentators is screaming, "Stop the fight! Stop the fight!" Because he put him down five or that's smoke with Joe Fraser Rotano, put him down five or six times, and then Ali basically rope doped him and won in Zaire in '74, and then he kind of disappeared like for a long over a decade. He was just gone, and then he gets back into it. So you were one of the fights prior to him stunning the world and becoming yeah. the world heavyweight champ again. I was his 22nd comeback fight. And uh, <clears throat> when I fought George, I felt bad that HBO pulled out, unfortunately. But, you know, uh, George Foreman is one of those guys that he, he's a very strong puncher, but he also pushes you around. So if he misses you with the right, he'll push you right into his left. And he's, he's that strong. So he's, right. just, he's just strong. But I always uh, admire George Foreman when I seen him in an interview. And uh, he was at a broken down place in Houston, and he had no money at the time. And he was saying he's going to come back to boxing. He said, well, George, what are you coming back for? 
you're an old man already. He says, well, see this place here? They're going to take it away, and I, I supply this for the young boys in Houston that don't have nothing, so I need to make some money so I can afford this place, and actually the place is booming now. Because yeah, well, and he also, I think he, had a, he ended up doing the grill after, right? He's worth like $300 million bucks. He's one yeah. of the richest former athletes out there. We're joined right now by Kenny Lacusa. we got a little bit of a Canadiana angle coming up. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Razor Ruddock, who uh, Kenny fought as well. As uh, you, had, you have one or two fights with Willie DeWitt. I had two, two fights with Willie DeWitt. Uh, you're listening. We will get to some of the. He might surprise you a bit with a couple of guys that uh, uh, took Kenny up on the opportunity to train him how to fight as well uh, from the Edmonton Oilers back in the day. It's 116 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott, Kenny Lacusta on Oilers now. We don't want Connor McDavid fighting the guy in studio right now. He could chuck him back in the day. Kenny Lacusta is joining us on Oilers. Now, we're going to do this once a week, sort of take you out of the hockey realm. Oh, we'll circle back to it in a second. Uh, I do want to mention to you at this time, you can text us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line, 780-496-0063. Get the new floors you always wanted. Ashley Fine Floors, 143rd Street, 111th Avenue. Open Monday to Saturday. Guests and Oilers now receive gift cards to Japanese Village. Edmonton's favorite teppanyaki steak restaurant. Book your celebration for the census at jvedmonton.ca. So, uh, you had a bunch of fights in Florida, then you come back to Canada, then you end up fighting Burbick at the Northlands Coliseum in 83, and then you went over to Europe. And was there not, uh, I know you fought Frank Bruno, who is of some repute, but you also fought a guy over in, uh, where was it, Denmark? And it was a pretty interesting story. Yeah, it was I, or I got in, asked to fight over in Copenhagen, Denmark, and at this fight they made one mistake. They brought me over there because they thought, here is a guy that went 10 rounds with uh, with, Bur- with Burbick. This will be a good test for our European champion who won a silver medal at the Olympics. He's undefeated. He's the European champ. This would be a good test for him. So I get over to Copenhagen, Denmark, and they made uh, one mistake there. They got me a big Swedish guy. His name was Anders Eklund to spar with for three weeks. Johnny Boss from New York says, Kenny, they'll give you a thousand a week to spar with this guy, plus you'll make your payday for your fight. So, And I said, oh, that'd be great. So I sparred for three weeks with this big six-foot-five Swedish guy, Anders Eklund, and I was in great shape. So now the fight happens, and <clears throat> there's about 15,000 people in Copenhagen, and they just love this guy, uh, Stefan Tanks, that he's just... Uh, the the greatest thing since sliced bread. So all of a sudden, they, they we get into the ring and they say, ladies and gentlemen, they say, uh, from Edmonton, Canada, the rated number one in Canada, Ken Lacusta. And just my corner claps like that. And the hair just ruled up on my back. I just like, I was so mad when that happened. I thought, how, how disrespectful. Nobody even clapped, just my corner. Yeah. All of a sudden world amateur champ, uh, silver medalist from the Olympics, undefeated European champ, and the place is, has these Heineken bottles. You could hardly hear a thing, and they start banging them together, and, and I was just really raring to go. I was in great shape. This was probably the best shape I ever was in, and uh, all of a sudden, I'm going back to my corner, and I got one of the top English guys in my corner with my corner guy from Philadelphia, but the Englishman says his name is Ernie Fossey. He says, oh, son, with his English accent, he says, please whack him. Pretend you're going to hit gloves and be fair, and then just whack him. I says, don't worry, it's done, I says. So all of a sudden, the bell goes ding. And I walk out like a real gentleman. I put my hand out. He doesn't put one hand there. He puts both, and I just overhand right, full power, whack. And I hit him, and I jumped on him in my corner. I said, take him out. And I, I hit him with about 60 shots, and I could punch. And 
All of a sudden, the round ended. First round, he looks at me. He's got blood coming out of his nose. His hair is all red, welts in his body. Goes back to his corner. Well, we go the whole eight-round decision. He goes, ladies and gentlemen, we have a decision. He has an ice pack over his eye, and they give him a split decision. He won a split decision. I, I think I won that fight, but... A lot of the times, it's tough to get decisions over there. Then this guy fought about f six months later. He fought Michael Spinks for the world title. He got stopped in the ninth round, and he retired. And now, is he is he the same? The name sounds is that is that the guy that's in, like he's heavily involved in European sport right now? Oh yes, he's the head for all of Norway for any sports for downhill uh, skiing. He's the head. His name is Stefan Tanks, a silver medalist from the Olympics. Big guy, big Norwegian guy, about six foot three, about two hundred and thirty pounds. All right, then you end up uh, fighting Frank Bruno, who was an uh, he was a pretty thick yeah. built guy as well, right? He could yeah. probably swing pretty good. Yeah, I went over to to fight Bruno after that, and <clears throat> I was, I never make up an excuse for a fight. I mean, I, I I got a little bit under the weather there, I, I I over in England, but that's that's no excuse. But Frank was a big big gentleman gentleman guy, big fight, big. Uh, uh, big smile on him from ear to ear every time he, uh, he jumped in that ring. And I remember um, Mike Barnett phoned my room. He's Wayne Gretzky's agent at the time. He says, geez, the papers are blowing this fight up so big because I just fought in, like I said, in Denmark, and it was a heck of a fight. So they're blowing it up big, and uh, I ended up getting taken out in the second round. But we fought at Wembley. And he was—he caught me with a couple of real good shots. Which we he's a lot bigger than I was, and we started exchanging. And I didn't win on this exchange. I got—he got to me just before I did. But hey, it, you know, give it the best you got, and sometimes things don't work out great. Ken Lacusta joining us right now. All right, so I was I was gone in the summer of 86, but one of the big events in Edmonton, uh, other than the Oilers getting upset in late April, it was April 30th against the Calgary Flames when Steve Smith put the puck off of Grant Fuhr and Lynette, and that ended the Oilers' chance for a three-peat. Uh, but you fought Willie DeWitt twice, and the first time was in eight, and that was a Was that for the Canadian Championship yeah, at that, that time? Was, that was and DeWitt was like the, the big rising star until he ran into Smoke and Burt Cooper, I think, if I recall correctly. And he ran into him. But you you ended up fighting DeWitt. What was that? That was here in Edmonton. It was a big deal. Yeah, it was a big deal, and I, I, re I really liked that fight. You know, it's funny. That was one of the toughest fights I had in my whole life. I lost a 12-round decision. That's one of the toughest fights, and no one ever really talks about that. Every time they say, oh, they remember Foreman, they remember Larry Holmes, they remember Tommy Morrison, but nobody says DeWitt, but DeWitt was a very strong fighter, and once, to tell you a little story, back in Tokyo when I was sparring with Mike, Mike, uh, we were all we were, went and played poker. One night we were playing poker, and Mike, we're all playing. All of a sudden, Mike says, whatever happened to that Willie DeWitt guy? Mike says to me, and I says, well, he, he fought Bert Cooper, and he got stopped, and he retired, and he had some trouble with the, with the family, and he went back to school. He's, he's going to be a lawyer. And Mike looked at me, and I thought this was a huge compliment to Willie DeWitt. He says, you know, back in the day when we were amateurs, I thought me and him were in a collision course for like a multi-million dollar payday for both of us, but I guess he kind of fell off the... When were you sparring with Mike? Mike I sparred with Mike back in 1988. Okay, a couple years after the, the two fights with DeWitt. And he ended up getting both those, uh, did he? Yeah. He, no, in the, in the second one, I lost on a decision. I, I was, uh, uh, that was in about a year after. Yeah, but 87, August yeah, of 87. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're joined right now by Kenny Lacusta, Bob Stauffer, Brendan Escott joining you on orders. Michael Dokes was another big heavy. You fought him in Atlantic yeah, City. Atlantic City on, on the show, but... You know, I remember. I remember the uh, the biggest, probably the biggest fight that I had that I always remember that people talk about is the Tommy Morrison fight over in. Uh, I was going to save that for the next segment, oh, but because yeah, you, you fought Ruddock before you fought Morrison, hardest hitter you faced. 
was Tommy Morrison. Yeah, he was the hardest punch. He, he knocked out Ruddick in the second round with one left hook, and, and Ruddick was down for like 15 seconds. He was just a tremendously strong puncher, and uh, he also... Because Ruddick had the smash, right? You fought Ruddick yeah. before you fought yeah. Morrison, right? Yeah. yeah, And Ruddick had that smash? I fought, yeah, Ruddick did as well, but this... It was Morrison, a left that he yeah. kind of... And how he, how would you he, describe he was, it he was just a he, he was just a very athletic big big Jamaican razor right. that could really punch and he was very athletic and by being athletic sometimes it's not all boxing skills it's it's uh, being able to slip one in here and there where you, you don't well, even see it because right? Tyson said he hit he, he hit hard well, he went twice with Tyson the distance he lost and yeah. so Morrison stopped him in the second round so I was saying to myself like this Morrison can really punch you know yeah and that's the hardest you ever got. Can you tell? Could you tell? Like some, you know, like for for NHL enforcers, you know, John Cordick, God rest his soul, he was an action guy, right, yeah. and a lefty, but he he didn't have a bomb. But there were other, like Kurt Fraser, he hit hard. Uh, you know, Dave Semenko could hurt you with one punch. Bat. Dave Brown, left hand, cold blooded assassin. Could you tell with different heavyweights which guys could could put you down if you put you to sleep if you weren't? Well, the, I remember my trainer always saying to me. My trainer was from Philadelphia. And he always used to say to me, listen, you you got to be able to make the big ones miss. Like, I mean, you can get hit, but don't get hit by the big ones. Because when you get hit by a big one, I don't care who you are, you're going down. And they will take you out because they, they get everything behind it. Especially a guy like Tommy Morrison, uh, a guy like Mark Wills. He was like the Strohs champ from L.A. Yeah. You know, you, you, hit, you fight with guys like that. And, and, I mean, if you're going to make fight and go in the ring, you might as well be making money and fighting the guys who can fight because you're not going to get paid unless you fight guys who can fight. What's the most Kenny ever made in a fight? The most money? 140000 Yeah. Yeah. So, and how much lead up would there be to that? Like, well, the the thing about boxing, which fight? Which fight was that? By that, the way, that was the the biggest payday I ever got was with Willie Dewitt, nineteen eighty six at Northlands Coliseum. Okay, but I mean the second biggest one was Foreman. They pulled out HBO for two hundred and fifty thousand. I still made a good payday there as well, but I would have made an extra two hundred and fifty thousand US. But. Uh, Things happen, and but it's nice to make money. I mean, if you're fighting these guys, you got to make money. See, see, but these other guys, when uh, they build up these beautiful records, like he's 34 and 0, and he's got all 30, he's, but he never fought for more than a thousand. Yeah. So I mean, you got to, if you want to be a real fighter, you got to fight guys that can fight and. And that's just how that's just how the game goes. All right, uh, we're going to talk about uh, some of your boxing idols. You can text us on the Ashley Five Floors text line. We'll head off to a global news weather traffic update with Evan Cook. More with Kenny Lacusta when we come back.